0: Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from last week's Bible conference in Prescott, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's sermon.
1: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is such a, an honor uh, to be able to be here in Prescott. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, been a very uh, busy stretch uh, for us uh, as we were involved in a boot camp right, right into Tucson, and then uh, get ready for here and to top it off my Daughter had her third son on Sunday, and um, Luther, and uh, praise God, and so a lot is happening. Uh, but I tell you, I came in Monday night. I didn't get to Prescott till 5:30. Got ready, came, and I want to tell you, I was kind of tired. Uh, uh, but I want to tell you, once I just simply got into this atmosphere. I'm telling you, you all just lifted me up, and I tell you, I, I'm so glad that you and I are a bunch of loners for Jesus, uh, that we're not independent, uh, but what a miracle to be part of a fellowship, and I thank God for that, and I'm, a, I, I mean, if all I came was to come and just receive, I've been powerfully helped already by the preaching, I appreciate these men preaching on the, uh, older people, I put that in my pocket, one day I'll have to pick that up. Uh, I had uh, some uh, young men want to come to me and ask some questions. I say, Pastor Stevens is over there. You can talk to him. <laughs> anyway, uh, 2 Kings chapter 10. We're going to go there in the Word of God, 2 Kings and chapter 10. And so I, I read a book a while back called Facing the Mountain. If you're a reader, I highly recommend that you get that book. And it's the story of uh, Japanese Americans who on Pearl Harbor, uh, because of the attack by the Empire of Japan, were turned and persecuted. They rounded up hundreds of Japanese older men, Japanese elders in, the, in Hawaii. On, by, by the end of uh, December 7, 1941, they had rounded up 300 elderly Japanese and arrested them, and held those men for years uh, for no other crime than that they just happened to be Japanese. One of them had a son. His son uh, was, uh, saw his father get arrested. He saw his family be uh, taken and put into internment camps. This young man was uh, graduated university. He was on his way to medical school. And in February of 1942, the United States changed their mind. Originally, they said that no Japanese could join the military they reversed course and decided that they could and they would send them to fight in Europe. And here's this young man, his father has been arrested. Uh, He has not seen him for months. His family has been taken away. He is on his way to becoming a doctor and news came to him that now he had the ability to join the war effort. And I, I, I want you to, I got a quote from his diary. I asked him if they wouldn't mind putting that up. And so I'm, there you go. Listen to what this young man said. On February 2nd, he wrote in his journal, once in every man's life, he is forced to make a decision that may decide his whole future. I made mine. For a minute, I must confess, I was too overcome to think clearly, but my mind was made up, and I was happy. This young man, whose father had been arrested, joined the United States military. When I read that, I thought to myself, I, I clipped that quote out, there comes a place in every man's life where he's forced to make a decision. And I want you to capture that spirit and what I want to preach on this evening. This sermon came out of a conversation Yolanda and I were having. We recently moved into our building. Praise God, many have been praying for it. We moved in back in February. And, uh, you know, our congregation had been in our building for 20 years, and we were just talking about the dynamics of when a church, particularly an older church or an older Christian, has to deal with change and how that's a transition point. Um, and it's interesting to watch, and she made a comment to me. She's like, it's like, almost like a bus stop. So I want to preach a sermon tonight called The Bus Stop. Out of 2 Kings in chapter 10, I checked. Prescott does not have a bus line, so tonight, this is Prescott's first bus stop, amen, and this evening, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to get on the bus, whether you're going to get off the bus, or whether you're going to stay on the bus. That's where we're headed, 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15, and the scripture says these words, now when he departed from there, he met Jonadab, he, by the way, is King Jehu, It says, when he departed from there, he met Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he greeted him and said to him, is your heart right as my heart is toward your heart? And Jehonadab said, it is. Jehu says, if it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand and he took him up to him into the chariot. And he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they had him ride in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he killed all who remained to Ahab in Samaria till he had destroyed them according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Father, I ask you to help us tonight. God, I pray that the Spirit of God will begin to compel men and women this evening. Decisions will be made. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin. The bus stop tonight, first of all, is a place... Of opportunity. So here we have our text this evening. Uh, I only read just a small text uh, of a much larger story, and it goes all the way back uh, to the prophet Elijah. Remember that Elijah emerged at a time uh, when Israel was being drawn away from God by the false worship of Baal. The king was a man named Ahab, and he had married a foreign woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel was a stubborn, bullying woman who imposed her strong will on the nation. And the Bible says led them into great idolatry. In fact, her spirit was so strong that in Revelation 2, when Jesus writes his letter to the church at Thyatira, He calls out the pastor there for permitting a woman to teach, and the Bible says her teachings led people to fornication and idolatry, and he called her Jezebel. Well, her name wasn't Jezebel, but she had a Jezebel spirit. What an interesting doctrine The Jezebel spirit can live in a church. But what's interesting here is that we are looking at the, the source and it's this woman Jezebel and her husband and they have brought this on the land and now 26 years has gone by from the time of Elijah. And his ministry, and God has risen up uh, according to the word of the Lord given to Elijah, a king named Jehu. And he has one calling, and that calling is to eradicate Baal worship. um, From the land, if you were to read this entire chapter, this man is on a crusade for righteousness. Um, He is going about. uh, He's killed the seventy sons uh, of Ahab. He is carrying about uh, or carrying on the judgment of God, and it's in the middle of this crusade. uh, Where we have this interesting passage, Uh, the Bible says that as he is moving, um, and you knew that Jehu, when he was driving a chariot, because the Bible says that Jehu drove very fast, um, and there's some men here that can say, amen, amen. And as his chariot is moving, the Bible says that a chariot comes alongside by a man named Jehonadab. And the Bible says he greeted him and said to him, is your heart right as my heart toward the right? Jehonadab said it is. is." And Jehu says, if it is, is, give me your hand. He gave him his hand and he took him up into the chariot and said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. I want you to think about this tonight. For a quarter century, There had been people who loved God. We know that when Elijah thought nobody wanted to serve God, that God rebuked him and said, I have reserved 7,000. I imagine that Jonadab would have been one of those. He had prayed that God would turn the battle. He had been seeking God for revival in the land. He'd been asking God to move. Can you imagine what it'd be like to be in a nation uh, where the leadership was totally crazy? I know it's hard to imagine But this man is saying, God, we need national revival. We need something to turn. We need something to change. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jehu rises up. And he begins to turn the tables. And God begins to move. And so you're Jehonadab. You have prayed for this. You have believed God for this. You have asked God for this. And now word has come to you. Did you hear about this young man, Jehu? Did you see what he did? He's killed the sons of, uh, of, 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 of Ahab. He has killed Jezebel and something rises up and we have this encounter uh, where this man gets on his chariot uh, and he begins to head towards Jehu he spots him uh, he's going 95 in a 35 uh, and he goes up to him and they have this exchange uh, uh, Jehu's chariot stops uh, and he turns to this man and says in effect uh, do you want to get on the bus do you want to be a part of this And there's this critical moment where this man who has had this dream in his heart, uh, it's now the bus has stopped, (laughs) the door is open, you can be a part of this. You can join in, you can become a part uh, of what God is doing, Um, everything he had waited for, everything he had prayed for, uh, and it's right in front of him. The question is, will he get on the bus? I want you to think tonight about this principle of the bus stop. Because this is a powerful truth. Because I stand in front of this glorious conference and the many thousands that are watching online. All of us this evening are much like Jehonadab. We have dreams. We have burdens. We have cares. Every one of us, there are things that we've prayed for and sought God for. Every one of us has felt a holy frustration for the way things are and the way we believe God wants them to be. Every one of us carried burdens. Uh, if you've been saved a long time, there are unanswered prayers still. There are things you say, God, I, I still haven't seen this, and I still haven't seen that. And very much like this man, good man, righteous man, uh, a man that is dissatisfied with the status quo, and he's seeking God But one day, all of a sudden, a chariot stops, a door is open, and God says, I am ready to move. Are you ready to move? Are you prepared to get on the bus and do something for God? I got saved when I was 16 years old. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. uh, And I want to tell you, for nine months since my brother Ray had gotten saved, uh, I ran from God. I played games with God. Um, Somehow, I don't know how, uh, at the age of 16, uh, I found myself in a concert scene in the little building there uh, in Tucson, uh, sitting on the floor asking myself, how did I end up here? Uh, But I want to tell you, that night uh, in that concert scene, it was like the Holy Ghost bus uh, pulled up. (laughs) opened the door and God said Rich you can get on right now this is your chance right now this is your opportunity I'm glad to say that night I lifted my hand I bowed my knee and Jesus Christ changed my life let me tell you something tonight Two years later, uh, I'm a disciple now, I've graduated, I'm working for Colonel Sanders, I'm doing good, uh, and, uh, and uh, I uh, saw a, a young lady in the church, her name was Yolanda, she had uh, on fire, she was on outreach. she was doing, and I, and I want to tell you, I began to talk to her, uh, amen, the second greatest of, shit of my life was marrying my wife, uh, but I want to tell you, one day the bus pulled up, Psh, are you ready to get married? I was making good money at that time. I was making five bucks an hour and uh, all the chicken you can eat. And and I got on that bus. Some of you brothers need to get on that bus. (laughs) Two years later, we just turned 21. It was her 21st birthday, and we got sent out. Uh, The ministry bus showed up. Uh, the door opened up. Uh, what I'm saying to you tonight uh, is that God comes along and he meets us uh, at the desires of our heart and says, all right, you, you got to get from talking, bro. It's time to do something. Will you get on the bus? Jonadab, I'm sure he walked around. I'm sure he went on to news uh, sites and talked about Ahab and how messed up he was and, and everything else. But all of a sudden, oh, that's cool. You're, you're all your friends. Are you ready to get on the bus? Are you ready to step out and do something? As Pastor Warner so powerfully preached this morning, the Christian life uh, is a life of dreams and visions. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you've got to have some dreams and visions tonight. There are things that you are believing God for and you want God to minister. But here's the reality. When Jehu stopped uh, and he showed that chariot and said, if you want to join, it, it was not an assured outcome. Nobody really knew how it was going to be. He had had some successes, uh, but it still was going to require a miracle from God. Uh, And I want to tell you tonight, when the bus stops for you, uh, there's no assured outcome. Uh, You have to choose to get on that bus when you're not really sure what's going to happen. Well, you're not really sure, uh, and you have to decide, uh, am I stepping out? uh, Everything I've prayed about, everything I've hoped for, and God shows up, uh, and when he shows up, uh, it's not done. He's saying, do you want to join to get it done? I want to tell you this principle is all through the Bible. We know that the mighty prophet said it's going to start raining again, and he began to pray, and we know it didn't happened the first time or the second or the third and the Bible says finally uh, at the seventh time he said to his servant what do you see uh? and his servant says well come to think of it I think I see a tiny little uh, vapor a little cloud the size of man's hand uh, but Elijah believed in the principle of the bus uh, and he said that's it Gets get going uh, that's God that's all I needed I just need a little bit I'm ready to make a decision right there I want you to go tell the king it's gonna rain. Uh, he got up, tied himself up, and took off, outrunning the chariot of the king. I wanna tell you tonight uh, if you're going to go for God, uh, if you're gonna get on the bus, uh, you're gonna to have to say, right now, it's small, but that's okay. I believe God's gonna do something. Amen. Simeon, an old man who waits outside the temple gate because God had said to him, Before you die, you're going to see my salvation. He waits and he waits and he waits. Simeon doesn't even understand, I believe at that time, the principle that it's a baby. He just knows that somehow stick around the temple uh, because you're going to see my salvation Uh, and one day his beeper goes off uh, and God calls him to go inside the temple uh, and he sees Joseph and Mary and that baby and God says that's your salvation Uh, and you know what I thank God that Simeon didn't say what are you talking about that's just a little baby Uh, I'm looking for a superhero Uh, but he had the understanding uh, of God this is what you're doing but right now it might just be a baby but I'm getting on this bus Uh, I'm to be a part of this this is what God is doing he says let uh, your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation 400 men decide to join a fugitive in a cave you know and now we read these stories and yeah yeah of course but listen these men decided uh, David was unpopular The army was against him. The king wanted him dead. And these 400 men somehow saw David and said, I'm getting on that bus. I'm going to become a part of that. And he joined with them, not when he was a success, beloved, but when he was a a fugitive. And he became part of what God is doing. Jesus' disciples uh, followed him when he was unknown in Galilee. Once again, we said, well, that was Jesus. But I want to tell you, these men saw something something the size of a man's hand and says this is what god is doing we're getting on this bus we're getting we're going to become a part of it i want to tell you that is the spirit of our fellowship tonight Uh, i want to tell you what's the most exciting thing happening in this bible conference Uh, it's these pioneer pastors uh, that brought people here for the very first time amen i'm telling you that is what this is all about The future of our fellowship is that in these Bible conferences, there are people here. You're here for the first time right now. There are young men, young women, young couples. Uh, There are pastors uh, that had to uh, sell uh, everything to get their people into this uh, conference. Why? Because they say, after this, I'm on the bus. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to win the world for Jesus. And just like in this story, Jehonadab had to say, I'm all in. I'm joining your chariot. I want to talk to you then about the place of decision. Because bus stops are where we get on and where we get off. You know, have you ever thought about how many key decisions were made at the place of transportation? I'm using the bus stop. You know, they didn't have buses back in the Bible. They had chariots and some camels. Think for a minute about Rebecca. The Bible says this young girl is simply... Being a generous young woman, and uh, a man comes and says, Will you water my camels? And she does that. And, you know, they say a, a camel could drink 40 gallons of water, so she's probably a little stout. And uh, she <laughs> took care of these camels, and then Abraham's servant began to tell her about uh, Isaac, and he began to give her some jewelry and some trinkets and things. And it turns out that he, she's exactly from the kin that he needed to talk to. And we know he goes and he begins to share with her family and their touch. And they know that this is God. And at the second, after second thought, they're kind of hesitating. And next thing you know, they're pulling on Rebecca. And so here's Rebecca. You know, she might have been 14, 15 years old at the time. And she's being asked to leave her family, everything she knows, to get on a camel, travel into the desert, realizing she may not Never, ever see her family ever again to marry a young man that she has never met. And that beautiful picture in the Bible where the family's kind of pushing back and saying to the servant, let's just wait a little while. Let's take, have a little time. And the servant says, no, she's got to go now. And there's this bus. That is there and the door is open and the engine is moving uh, and the family says to her, what are you going to do? Literally what they said to her uh, is what every family says to their daughter, will you go with this man? And she has to make that decision, it's the bus stop. And she makes up her mind, I'm going to go. And she steps on that bus and this incredible prophecy comes from the very family that doubted uh, and say, may you be the mother of uh, thousands and ten thousands. Because that's what a bus stop is. It's Moses in his chariot going down to Goshen. And when he gets there, he sees the Egyptian abusing a Hebrew man. And Moses, his heart is already churning. He's already coming to grips with the reality that he's a Hebrew and not an Egyptian. And that God has something for him. But it was at that moment, it was at that moment, it became a bus stop. Are you willing to get behind what God is doing. And when he stepped out of that chariot, he stepped into destiny. He stepped into a a place. He said, I'm going to do this. of course, it's the Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot and Philip in his. And it's almost in a strange way, kind of a New Testament parallel to our text tonight. As he joins this man's chariot and begins to tell him the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to And this man got on the bus and he took it and the gospel to North Africa.
0: Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH sermon podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.
1: The bus stop is the transition point. People get on and people get off. What I'm saying to you tonight is at a bus stop, you and I can get in the will of God or you can get off out of the will of God. Let's talk for a minute about getting off the bus. Every transition is a place where people join and people leave. I have pastored in San Antonio a long time, since Reagan was president. And I want to tell you something, over the many years we have moved in various times, we have moved buildings. And every time we've moved a building, our church has grown. But every time we've moved, some people have dropped off. We moved from the south side of San Antonio over to near the military base, Kelly Airfield. um, And there were people that left. And you thought, well, they left because it was like seven miles away. And it was on the other side of Highway 90 in San Antonio. Crossing that's a sin. And uh, they, you know, maybe that. And so then we were in that building 11 years, and we outgrew that, and we moved to the west side of San Antonio. We moved probably six miles again away. And during that time, our church grew. It was a tremendous time. But there were some people that didn't make the move. And it's like, well, you know, maybe, you know, they just didn't want, you know, and some people don't like getting on the freeway. So we just moved into our new building in February. It's 500 yards from our old building. (laughs) And there are some people that said, you know, and so I learned something. It's not the distance. When there's a transition, it's like the bus has stopped, the door is open, I'm getting off. It has nothing to do with distance. It has everything to do with this is a transition uh, and this is my chance. I'm getting off the bus. You know, people do this when there's a pastoral change. Get a new pastor and all of a sudden you got funky and you, 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 you claim it's loyalty, but it's not loyalty. You want to get off the bus. You just, this is an opportunity. Sometimes people have to move to a new city. Maybe it's your job, maybe you're in the military. And you get into a new church. I've seen it over and over again. People come, oh pastor, we're from this church and praise God, fellowship, and on and on. but but then after a little bit they're gone. Why? Because it's a transition. And the reality was they were just want to get out. Let me speak to all of you teenagers and young people that want to go off to college. I am not against college. I believe in learning and in education, amen. I'm not anti-college, amen. You teach that to your church in 20 years, they'll all be earning a minimum wage. But I do have a problem or I'm concerned because what we're seeing is we have these kids that want to go off to college and say, oh, there's a fellowship church over there. And these kids will show up at that fellowship church for a few weeks, but they never get on the bus, One of the things that I tell kids in our church and kids that will listen to me, because not all of them do, even from other churches, is I'll tell them, listen, if you're going to go to school over here, then you need to lock into that church. And I tell their parents, don't go pick up Miha and Miho and bring them home and you meet them. You need to let them get locked into that church because their survival depends on them getting on that bus, committing to that local church, and seeing those people as their pastors. You don't do them any favor. Hold on here. You don't do them any favor uh, if you never let them connect with that church. This is true also when your girls marry somebody in another church. Because if they can come in and get married, but they come into the new church, they never get on that bus. I told a girl one time she was getting married, I said, you're going to marry this guy. You're going after. I want you to, sister, I'm telling you right now, you better not call me crying saying it's not the same. Because I want to tell you, it becomes so easy in a transition to just simply say, this is my way out. I get off the bus. Let's look at Matthew 13, 45. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. We preach it all the time, the pearl of great price. And we know that salvation, we know that the pearl is the call of God and vision and the sacrifice that we make because we have found something that is a valuable and a great, great value. It's a merchant, the Bible says, meaning this is not somebody that's going to get taken advantage of. This man understands gems. He understands the value and what is genuine and what is a a, a fake. And he sees, yeah, I'm going to do everything. And we love the story. And we say, that's the kingdom of God. But what's implied in that story is not just that somebody bought the Pearl of Great Price. Somebody sold the Pearl of Great Price. That there's a, there's a transaction here. In other words, uh, wherever you find people that are willing to pay the price, you're going to find somebody willing to sell out. That in the dynamic of a Bible conference are people that are saying, I see it, and other people that are saying, I'm selling it. There, there was a time where I bought that pearl. There was a time where I was going after it, and I wanted it, and I, and, and I was embracing it, uh, but I'm here now, and I'm looking to sell it. You know, we live in the gig economy. Everything is for sale now. Everything can be traded. You can sell your car and give people rides. You can sell your house and let them come and have vacation in it. Restaurants sell their food and you go pick it up and you deliver it to somebody. You can get apps and you can sell yourself for relationships. But I wonder tonight can you sell your destiny? Can you sell your destiny? Are you, are, you, are you looking to trade your destiny tonight? Jesus put it this way, for what would a man profit if he gained the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The message says, what could you ever trade your soul for? Pastor, I want to say tonight, guard your calling. We were not called to be famous. We were not called to make money. We were called to preach. But I want to tell you, there are times in your ministry where getting off the bus is, can be very alluring. There are times where it will make sense. There was a time when you were younger, like Jehonadab, I'm getting on this bus. But as the years roll by, you start thinking, how can I get off this bus? How can I get out of this responsibility? Years ago, I read Titan, a great book about John D. Rockefeller. And in this book, you know, Rockefeller was a devout devout Christian. And he moved in the Baptist circles. And there was a young preacher named William Rainey Harper. This guy was a young man, and he was an up-and-coming, powerful preacher. John D. Rockefeller was attracted to this young man, got to know him, uh, began to work with him. Um, And then John D. Rockefeller one day talked to him and said, uh, I have a vision to uh, uh, use the wealth that God has given me, but I want to give it, but I want to give it in a way that's effective. And William Rainey Harper left preaching he began to take charge of, this, uh, of the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, this man uh, was responsible for directing millions upon millions of dollars to people. Um, but listen to this. He was still a young man. He was close to 50. And he got real sick. And he was dying, and he knew that he was dying. And on his deathbed, he called two of his closest friends, two preachers, to his bedside. And I want you to listen to his, his last words. He said to his friends, I have not followed Jesus Christ as closely as I ought to have done. He confessed to his friends. I have come down from the plane on which I ought to have lived. I have justified it to myself at times as necessary because I was carrying so heavy loads. But I see now that I was wrong. January 10th, 1906, he died. At age 50, he got off the bus. I can't help but say this. There are people you're watching online right now. You could have come. You could have come, but transitions can make it easy to get off the bus. I want to make this statement tonight. Our fellowship is in a transition point right now. Three years ago, we were meeting in a tent that we had met in for 30 years. All of us have followed Pastor Mitchell for our entire lives, a generation. And God has bringing us right now into a whole new level. Everything that Pastor Mitchell imparted and stirred us for is, is right in front of us. But it's still a transition. And I want to tell you, in this time, it'll be very, very easy to say, oh, it's different You know, everything that I was familiar with, everything I was comfortable with, I just don't feel that anymore. And that voice says, hey, why don't you just get off the bus? You can be in this powerful, tremendous ministry today and yet sit here and feel like an outsider. Feel disconnected, out of sorts. Because every transition point, the bus has stopped, the doors have opened. There are lots of people piling on. And how easy it is to say, I'm getting off. Let me close and talk about the place of destiny tonight. Our decisions take us somewhere. We had our boot camp uh, last month, and uh, we had nearly 400 kids there. Again, it was tremendous. On Tuesday night, the first sermon we preached at boot camp, I preached a sermon called, You People Choose to Go to Hell. Nobody goes to hell by accident. And I used this illustration with your teenagers. I said to them how many of you graduated, and quite a few of these kids had graduated. And I said, do you remember when you started school and you were in a class and you went through and you knew all the kids, you all assumed you would graduate, and then life went on, and by the time you graduated, some of the kids that were in your class didn't graduate. And the reason they didn't graduate is along the line, they made some choices. Some of them would rather be class clowns. Some of them got pregnant. Some of them got somebody pregnant. In other words, they messed around and then at that moment, that moment they knew that was coming when they were little kids and they realized that your decisions take you somewhere. I want to tell you there is something about destiny that requires you and I to make critical choices. Acts 2.40 says, save yourself from this aimless generation. Y'all know the story about the evangelist that had the bus. I don't know if it was Larry Reed or somebody, but there was an evangelist, he had a bus, and there in the front, he had heaven. The story goes that he pulled up alongside, there was a hitchhiker, and the bus pulled up, he opened the door, and the evangelist said, come on in, and the guy was hesitating. Don't you want to go to heaven, the evangelist said. He said, yeah, but not right now. (laughs) Here's my question to you tonight. The bus you're on right now, Where's it taking you? The bus you're on right now, it's going to take you somewhere five years from now. If you just just out of the per chance out of the three thousand that are among us here tonight and the others, you're here and you got a bad attitude. You're funky. You're disconnected. Where's that bus going to take you? Because this is a place of destiny. You know, the Bible tells us something else here, and that is that our decisions open a door to another generation, as Pastor Warner preached this morning. Jeremiah 35, the Bible tells us this is, I mean, judgment is coming. The enemy was at the gate. It was all coming down by chapter 35 of Jeremiah. And the Bible says that Jeremiah reaches out to the Rechabites, invites them to come to the temple to a little side room. Invites these men all to sit down, and he puts wine in front of them. And he says, Drink. And these Rechabites, I'm sure, looked at each other. What's going on here? Jeremiah, what are you doing? And we know that Jeremiah was simply trying to prove a point. And he says these words in Jeremiah 35. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to obey my word, says the Lord? Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. In our text, Jonadab the young man said, I'm getting on this bus. 200 years later, 200 years later, here are the Rechabites, and he says, will you drink wine? And they say, no, our father, Jonadab, told us not to drink wine. In other words, Jonadab got on the bus. 200 years later, his sons are still on the same bus. Amen. Oh, God, oh, God, let that be our testimony. Can you say amen? Amen. Let that be our testimony. Let our testimony be you know what? uh, We're not changing, and we're saying to our disciples, You're not changing, and their disciples are not changing. Uh, You know what? I didn't choose to get on this bus. I thank God Pastor Mitchell got the bus going. Amen. I just want to stay on the bus. Amen. Stay on the bus. Stay with the call of God. Stay with our vision. Don't change. Join the chariot and move on. You know what's interesting in this story is that Jehu got off the chariot, but Jonadab stayed on the chariot. He looked up to Jehu, admired and respected him, but that man, I'm getting up. No problem. I'm staying on. And God says, you know what? When I find somebody that will simply stay in what God is doing, I will bless you. A man will always stand from your people because you stayed on the bus. Let me say something tonight to men of influence, and you have men under you, and you have pastors and workers looking up to you. Don't throw away their destiny because you threw away your destiny. I told a pastor years ago, he was a leader, had a lot of men following him, and he had a bad spirit, and I said, you know what my fear is? That men out of loyalty are going to fall on the sword thinking that they're being honorable for you, and that's what he did. John Adapt said, I'm going to stay with this. I want to say this very quickly as I get ready to finish here. Pastor Campbell, I'm not sure where Pastor Campbell is here. Amen. I want to tell you, last night God really dealt with me. Oh, there you are. God really dealt with me in prayer before the service that, uh, that when you were going to be preaching, that you were going to be like Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was at least 20 years older than David. And that God showed me that you were going to take off your armor and you were going to clothe us in your armor last night. I didn't know what you were going to preach on, but that's what you did. You, 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 you took off the armor, all the battles and all the things, and you dressed us in it. And I want to thank you at the age of 80 that you stayed on the bus. Pastor Warner, Um, God dealt with me about you, and as you were preaching today, again, the scripture had already come to me before you were preaching, but, you know, you are the first fruits of this fellowship. You're the first fruits. Sent out back in 1973, part of the original group, and, you know, the Bible says that the first fruits would come in, that they would give them to the priest, and you know this. The Bible says he would do a wave offering. Now, remember, these were farmers. When they got the first fruits, they were told to give the first fruits before the rest of the harvest came in. A lot of people think, let a harvest come in, then we'll give. God said, no, you're going to give the first. And I thought about Pastor Warner as he was preaching here. There's such dominion in his preaching that all oh, what God was doing was waving the first fruit and said, you know, all that fruitfulness you see in Pastor Warner and all the ministry and all the things that have happened. The purpose of waving their first fruit was to say, there's more that is coming. If you will do the will of God, you see this, you all can have the same thing. I want to tell you, Pastor Warner, because you stayed on the bus and I want to say this, when many of the people on the bus did it, you stayed on the bus. You're here tonight. I thank God for you, and I thank God because of the fruitfulness that you have. We can all have that here today, too. A couple of quick things here, and we'll finish up. Uh, Brother, can you put up that first picture I gave you? This uh, is an interesting story. This is Perth, West Australia. And what happens in this picture is kind of to tell is that a man was getting on the train and he slipped and he fell in between the platform and the train and he's stuck. You know, these trains operate on a timer and uh, time was of the essence. This guy was in that transition point and he fell and he got stuck. But look what happened. Put up the next picture. Everybody got out of the train and literally pushed the train over and set this man free. I want to tell you tonight, some of you are stuck. Everybody in this building right now is pulling for you, amen, get unstuck. Bus stop. Great little story from our own congregation. You know, seated in this building tonight, somewhere, Miguel and Didi Martinez, they're my assistants. Miguel and Didi have a story you can make a movie about. Got involved when they were just teenagers, when they came to our church, major, major problems. They kind of came and went. Didi got pregnant and uh, had a little baby girl. I may forget, I went to the hospital because, just to pray and she was able to only, they were only able to hold her for just a few hours, and she died. God was dealing with them. They, um, they just kind of come and go, you know. She got pregnant again. And Dee, Dee. God was dealing with her, and she said, I need to get married. You need to get married. She told her mother, uh, I need to get married. And the pastor says that uh, fornication is a sin. And her mother said, that sounds like a cult. And uh, so here they are. She's pregnant again. She already has a, a small child. And they're just a couple of lost kids who just kind of drop in and out of our church. And so they decided to get married. They don't have wheels, they don't have a car. But they are both on the same bus route. And so they decided to get married. They were going to go take the bus downtown, a couple of teenagers. And so the plan was that Miguel would get on the bus and then. It'd come to her bus stop, and she was there, and she had a little, a small child with her. And so Dee Dee says, you know, that morning, she got up early, and she went to the bus stop, and she was wondering, is Miguel going to be on the bus? Is he going to take that responsibility? They're kids, man. They're messed up. And she describes, and the bus comes, and she, just like in a movie, she takes the steps up the bus, looks around. There's Miguel, asleep on the back bench of the bus. Hallelujah. I was able to uh, renew those vows at their 25th. They have nine kids today. Uh, saved, serving God, doing something for God. All because they got on the bus. You know, I went to Israel the first time in 1994. Yolanda and I were on. Here's an interesting little factoid. I went to Israel in 1994 and Greg and Lisa Mitchell were there, Pastor Campbell was there, uh, a few others. The, this was the first of the, of the renewing of the bus uh, trips, uh, the Israel trips, and uh, we filled half the bus. We shared the bus with another group of people. That's, there were a few of us there, and we went, looked at Israel and all the different things that are there, and frankly, you know, it's, you see a lot of Greek Orthodox churches next to a lot of Catholic churches, The very last thing that they show you when you go to Jerusalem is they take you up to what is called the Garden Tomb. And I want to tell you, there's a breath of God in that place. It's run by some saved people. And what they do is they expose the lie of the Catholic Church, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, and how that's not really where Jesus would have been crucified. That's not where he would have been buried. But this is right outside the Damascus Gate. And this man gets up there, and he tells you that. And they show you a tomb that they found that fits the description of what the Bible describes as the tomb Jesus would have been laid in. But the thing that most impressed me is we're standing kind of on a hill. And he says, if you walk over to the end of the hill, you'll look. And you're going to see a a, a rock formation that resembles the face of a skull. Golgotha. Calvary. The place of the skull. And he says... It's most likely that Jesus Christ was crucified down here and the tomb where he was laid is just right here. I put up the picture. but it really struck me, and I never forgot, that's it. You know what it is today? It's a bus stop. It's a place where you can get on. That's what the cross was all about. It's a place where you can get on. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. Jesus Christ died on the cross. You can get on tonight. Let's bow our heads.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.